A bunch of drama students are playing warm-up games at Auckland University. But it is not all fun and laughter in the theatre world. What do you think about the industry in New Zealand? I mean, do you feel confident that you'll get a job that will sustain you? No. Um, <laughs> I Probably not in New Zealand. I guess my plan is to probably, I guess, start in Australia. The industry in New Zealand just isn't a thing, really. Like, it's not enough to sustain you for life. What do you mean it isn't a thing? It's there, but it's just, it's not on a big enough scale. What about stage? Is anybody interested in the stage? Sure, I guess. Yeah. What do you want to do? Uh, like, work behind the scenes? Or no, I don't, I don't mind being the, the front character. I'm just shy. Do you think you'll make a career no, of it? definitely not. <laughs> because? Don't think there's a scene, I guess. Is there a scene? No. You don't go to theatre? I go to tons of theatre, but not by people who make money out of it. Uh, There's heaps of theatre, but like not if you're looking for a career or an income. What do you think of the theatre, New Zealand theatre? I think there's a lot of people who should be making an income out of it. So it's good? It, yeah, it's fantastic. So let's just talk about theatre. If you want to be in theatre, what, you get a job somewhere else and do acting or behind-the-scenes work as a kind of... Uh, yeah, like as a hobby or like you try to make a career out of it or you go to Melbourne. Yeah. <laughs> It's a pretty gloomy outlook here, but just down the road, tucked in behind a building on Queen Street, it's a different scene. I would just say to them, just dig in, because this is an art form that every city needs, regardless of what's happening in terms of our infrastructures, to just believe in the power of it and know my height and my, come on down to basement, <laughs> because you can totally make your work here. I'm Sharon Brett-Kelly. Today on The Detail, the state of theatre in New Zealand. Millions of dollars is being spent on reviving grand old venues of yesteryear, but will we have the artists to work in them? We'll hear more from the students and get back to the basement theatre, but first, James Wenley. I'm a lecturer in theatre at Te Heringawaka, Victoria University of Wellington. OK. Will you still have that job next year? I don't know. I'm... I'm waiting anxiously to find out in September uh, exactly what will happen next year. Can you explain to me what is the situation? I've heard about other courses and we know that things have been pretty dire at Victoria. What, what are you facing at the moment? So for the theatre programme specifically, uh, the proposal on the table at the moment is for uh, the removal of half of the academic positions in, the, in theatre uh, also the removal of a technical position, an administrative position from our wider school, and then to merge us into the English program. So the disestablishment of the program is a, is a standalone entity and to deprioritize the teaching of our performance and production elements of our courses in favor of the analysis of uh, theater works itself. Why is this happening, James? Well, Victoria University and, in fact, the majority of our universities in New Zealand are facing quite substantial uh, financial deficits. The universities are very worried about hitting their debt limit, um, which would you know, trigger government interventions. Um, by law, they're not allowed to do that. So there is uh, attempt to find costs and, unfortunately, uh, those costs translate for university managers as people, as staff. 
So the theatre programme has been um, one of many in our university that's been sort of targeted for where some of these cuts could come uh, alongside programs like the School of Music, um, Design, Languages. It's a, it's a pretty serious situation university-wide at the moment. So theatre education is in crisis. It is, it is. It's, it's about having these opportunities to access theatre and the performing arts at tertiary level. And that's one of, I guess, the great things about having theatre at university is that if you have university entrance, you can come and enrol. Um, we have over 100 students taking theatre in our, our first year. Um, so certainly a lot of those are theatre majors, but others are students that want to do it as an elective because they know that doing theatre will enhance their, their other subjects and courses and wherever they want to go in life because we are helping with those communication skills, collaborating, creativity, confidence, courage, all of those things. This has been going on for quite a long time, I believe, but it has been exacerbated by COVID and this funding crisis. Is it, though, that these programmes aren't quite right now? They're not, they're not the right kind of courses for young people who want to maybe get into theatre or, you know, some form of performance or behind-the-scenes work? Oh, we're, I mean, we're constantly innovating and reviewing, you know, what is the best way to teach. And I'd say that we've had some pretty outstanding outcomes, um, both, you know, throughout the life of the programme. Like, we're a 53-year-old um, theatre programme at university. Um, but our graduates are continue to be demand in the industry. Uh, just looking at Wellington, our, our graduates are all over the place in terms of the stages, um, behind the scenes, and actually other careers as well. So I would actually say that this is the exact time to be investing in and resourcing in the type of education that we offer, because it's not just sitting down and, and reading and writing, that this is embodied learning. And when you're sort of dealing with diverse learners and diverse needs, um, this can really cater um, to students that just excel, like it's it's really incredible. I've I've just been teaching our first year course, and to see them really stepping into like their power as as artists, but also as people, like yeah, you really see those those really strong outcomes. And our learners remain really hungry for this stuff. Well, something's not quite right here, is it, James? Because I, I was up at Auckland University the other day with a group of drama students. They are quite pessimistic about their future as actors or general workers in theatre? Yeah, I think we're at a real tipping point. We are, are sort of expecting that uh, funding across the arts is going to be contracting over the next few years. We had a, a, a really significant, I guess, increase just to get us through the pandemic and the performing arts industry has got through, but it continues to be really challenging. And I think this is the disconnect because more New Zealanders than ever actually really understand the value of arts and culture. We've really seen how important that is. Um, there's many shows out there at the moment that are selling out. So theatre continues to be relevant. But it's that larger question of, of how we actually value it as a society. And so if we if we can do that and really kind of understand these, these larger outcomes and values in terms of health and well-being, in terms of community bonding, 
like if we were to actually properly invest in it, um, the kind of the transformation with theatre and arts in general would be massive. So we kind of have to decide what what do we want as a country? And, you know, obviously I would be arguing that this is something that we need to have more of, not less. And we are at, we are at this tipping point where we could go either way. Um, it's basement basic, isn't it? It totally is, yeah. It's um, fancy. What's the maximum seating here, around about? If we go for about 100, it can go up to 120 when we've got different configurations, yeah. Yeah. So, but pretty, pretty teeny. Yeah. yeah. Just let that out, do the talking, really. The non-profit, publicly funded basement theatre in Auckland has been going for 15 years. It has hosted 850 productions involving 700 artists a year, while 25 artists take part in development programmes annually. But it has had to adapt to survive. So, Kat Rooker. Kia ora. Kia ora. Tell me about your job here. <laughs> Uh, they call me the executive director of Basement Theatre, but I've been calling myself the Tanifa lately. <laughs> I'm the resident Tanifa. <laughs> I think I like the Tanifa as a as a model because it's more about guardianship. So that's what we're going with at the moment. Right. How long have you been <laughs> in this role? I've been here for just over two and a half years. So actually my whole time here has been characterised by COVID. So I've been sort of trying to navigate Basement Theatre through this quite tumultuous time. And what's that like? Um, it's been, I mean, of course, it's been really challenging. Um, but because I have such, because we're small, we're quite nimble, and I have a really amazing board of trustees that have been not at all opposed to taking risks through this time. So it's actually been, though, though very challenging, it's been full of exploration, and we've been doing some really fun things during this time as well. So it's been hard for me to kind of go, go straight into managing a live performance venue at this time, but there's been good things as well. All right, what kind of risks and what, sort, you know, yeah. what kind of experiments have you been doing? I think what became really obvious to us during the pandemic was how uh, wronged our independent artists have been um, in terms of the financial aspect to making theatre. Um, and so we've really just kind of lent into uh, breaking down as many financial barriers as we can to the process of making theatre. So an example of that is that it's now free to hire basement theatre. We have a new, it's called the hire for nothing model. And it means that an independent artist who's super emerging, they've just graduated, can come in and put up a show and not have to pay for the the hiring of the space. We've also introduced a new ticketing model called Choose What You Pay, um, which is actually quite prevalent overseas, but it's just starting to take hold here where people can essentially choose how much they put towards their ticket, ranging from sometimes $5 through to $250. So, And why have you taken these two big steps? We took them because it was crucial that established organisations like ourselves shouldered risk at this time with our independent artists because prior to that, our independents were shouldering a lot of the, um, the financial burden. And so are you still profitable? Do you feel like you're successful at the moment? We'll be here for years to come I believe yep so we're really lucky to be you know to be solid Um, but we just think that 
the safest place for people to invest their money right now is in the artists. So we just have, you know, great a great volume of people coming through and making work right now. Actually, our stats are showing that um, we have more people attending shows this year so far than we did in 2019. And we're just really lucky at Basement because we're so small and we're actually a concept rather than a space. You know, if, if something happened to this building, Basement would pop up somewhere else because a community always needs a space like Basement or Bats Theatre uh, or Little Andromeda in Christchurch. You know, that small, low risk, um, throw something up, throw it at the wall and see what, ha- see what sticks kind of vibe. Now when I say jump, I want everyone to do a little jump. Back in the drama class, I'm finding out that not every student aspires to tread the boards. I um, study first year house science, and so my my job is my dream job is to become a doctor. And so, like first semester was so overwhelming and intense. And so, coming into a space like this is so good for like mental health wise, and then for even learning the techniques to talk to people or to like converse with people or interact with others. You know, all of those things are why um, this drama class is so good and so important. And I think more people need to be in this space. No, uh, I actually fought for a production and they didn't have the funding for it the our last year of high school which is quite upsetting but yeah so your we, high school had no money for a, for a production yeah they'd rather focus on sports and other things mm-hmm. so we had to turn to community theater which also wasn't very fulfilling at all what would you like to do um so i'm studying drama and i'd love to be a director so i'm also doing multi studies so i'd love to bring more multi aspects to theater especially in new zealand since I guess that's the thing our country is passionate about. So I'm actually a science major, um, (laughs) but I think like the skills are useful for anyone, even if you're not interested in drama. This is a really good paper to take, like speeches, public speaking skills and all that. So let's recap. We've got students feeling pretty pessimistic about careers in theatre, but they're still getting a lot from their drama classes. Then there's the small basement theatre, which has worked out how to survive and is thriving. And audiences are once again embracing live shows. So why are other parts of the industry in crisis? Here's James Wenley again. Well, you go back to the, the fundamental challenge of, of how this works financially. That theatre is very expensive because it is dealing with the live and it takes many people um, to get these shows on, on stage, behind the scenes and all the staff and the venues themselves. So this is something that is more expensive. And if you want to keep those ticket costs down so it remains accessible for many people, not just, not just the few then it does need that public subsidy. And there is a lot of very good resourcing going in, but it's, it's such a constrained funding environment at the moment that there are many good projects, many worthwhile projects that are missing out from funding. And that's both at the Creative New Zealand level, which is the government's public advocacy and, and funding agency for arts, but also at council level, You know, everyone is facing these uh, contracted budgets, having to make really hard decisions. And if that's the case, James, you know, we're also hearing about the millions that are being poured into restoring these beautiful old theatres, the St James and the Mercury up in Mm. Auckland, for example, millions and millions of dollars. Does that feel right to you? 
It does because that that is also about our heritage and you know, I'm I'm very pleased that there is a pathway that seems to be going forward for the St. James. That we do we do need these venues. It's been a real gap um, not having that venue sort of open and available, and particularly, you know, the importance of that for um, music gigs. I think we will see that venue full and used because people do want those experiences. But you're right, it is it is needing to have both that investment in space and venues, places to perform. But I think we also need far more investment in people and artists themselves. So a lot of the funding goes towards particular projects, but what would it be like to actually properly invest in artists' careers? So does that bring us to this whole model of the way theatre is funded? The Washington Post article that says that there must be a new economic model where artists are funded directly, they produce their own work, they rent their own venues, and they, they pay their own collaborators. Yeah, so there's some very interesting trials going on in, say, Ireland with uh, uh, artist wage, that um, there's a guaranteed income for participating artists in that scheme. I think this is something that we need to start looking at here. Creative New Zealand is currently doing a review of how they fund, and it looks like there's going to be quite a substantial transformation next year. But I think that's also going to have to be supported politically. And that will be interesting in terms of where the election lands, because there are different kind of political views in terms of where Creative New Zealand might sort of fit in that. But I think if we can move far more to, it is about the people, it's about the work that they want to make. If we can make um, spaces affordable, um, it's it's even things that, you know, say housing, not just for artists, but for everybody, you know, when you're sort of looking at what are the conditions that art will thrive, it's making things far more uh, affordable and accessible um, for the many. There's a lot going on here, actually, and it's not all bad, but it is bad when it comes to theatre <laughs> education. It is. I think we're still we're still in quite a fragile state. Like it took so much for the sector to get through the pandemic when it's the existential crisis of the live is is the danger. And, mm. you know, it, it has taken a bit of time for audiences to kind of feel comfortable coming back, but they are kind of really coming back at the moment. And there's lots of like very dynamic, vital work going on. You know, s- some of the the most interesting work is coming is coming from Amari and Tangamoana and Rainbow artists and communities. There's no shortage of really great work. Our artists are back at the Edinburgh Fringe um, right now, representing our arts and our, our nation. But if we could have that that better kind of wraparound support. That would be good. And I do really fear in terms of what's happening at this education tertiary level, because we've got all of these institutions making making very similar decisions, but in isolation. Um, You know, music and theatre at University of Otago is also under review that you could get to next year and suddenly many opportunities will have been closed off. And we've already lost quite a few. So Canterbury University, they closed their theatre program 10 years ago. We've lost um, PIPA, the Pacific Institute of Performing Arts, and MIT. Both of those kind of closed their training programs. So we've already lost a bunch. 
we've lost various music programs. So we have to sort of like draw the line in the sand to say that we can't lose any more of these really critical education and also arts and culture infrastructure. But is no one listening, James? You know, the people who are making the decision about closing down these courses, down these schools, are they not listening to what you're saying? Well, we, re- we remain hopeful. We're putting up a very big fight and we've had, you know, an incredible response from, from the industry, from the community, from graduates that all understand the value of these programs and what they contribute to the cultural life of the city and the country as a whole. So I think that that has been made clear. We've had many, many people writing letters to our vice chancellor. So they're, they're hearing that. Mm. So, you know, we're, we're sort of like making the case both, both on their sort of numbers financial level that there are other ways that we can both save costs and also generate revenue, but also that it's really important to understand that there are these wider values and benefits both for city, the nation, but also the university itself um, and for the students that this is something that if they want to have a very good student experience on campus, we're, we're the types of programs that can help deliver that. Places like Basement Theatre will just go on and on and on. It's Let's not create a false picture though. It's It's doing well because of people like my team, incredible arts administrators and managers who aren't acknowledged for the hard work that they have done over the last three or four years to continue this industry on in these hard times. So it's not without its constant challenges for us. It's Mm. not without burnout. Um, But, yeah, it is. It's. It still feels exciting to me. I'm still seeing a number of different communities come through our doors wanting to see live performance, for sure. That's it for today. I'm Sharon Brett-Kelly. The detail is supported by the Public Interest Journalism Fund. And today's episode was engineered by Jeremy Ansell. Our producers are Sarah Robson and Bonnie Harrison. And thanks to Kat Rooker, James Wenley and the drama students of Auckland University. Mā te wā.